Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hey, this is Nicole calling from Hamilton, and I needed to let everyone know that I really proudly support Vish and Creative Control. I have for many years, I will for many more, as long as he keeps delivering these amazing interview podcasts. When you hear one of Vish's interviews, you think he's known this guest for years, they're good friends, uh, but the truth is he approaches every interview, whether it's sort of up-and-coming indie artists or established icons or like famous intimidating comedians with Uh, a really deep, genuine curiosity, so he's never met this person, and the same really warm uh, candor, as though he's known them forever. I think it really lends to a great chat, no matter who he's talking to, and for that reason, I think you should throw Vish, like what, a dollar a month? He's got jokes. The jokes make it worth it. Support Creative Control on Patreon. To make your flexible monthly donation to Creative Control, please visit patreon.com slash Control today. I'm Visha's wife, and remember, when you name a dog Janet or Timothy, you are dragging humanity down just a little bit. Jade Hairpins is a new band primarily based in London, England. Founded by Mike Halichuk and Jonah Falco of the Toronto band Fucked Up, Jade Hairpins also consists of London musicians Tamsin M. Leach and Jack Goldstein, and together they've crafted some cool, energetic, and pop-oriented punk songs with synthesized and electronic textures, which are all led by Falco's impassioned singing and lyrics. Jade Hairpins' excellent debut album is called Harmony Avenue, and it's out on May 29th, 2020, via Arts and Crafts in Canada and elsewhere, thanks to Merge Records. I recently connected with Mike while he was in Toronto and Jonah while he was in London, and together we discussed their perspectives on the COVID-19 pandemic, the significance of which was still being processed and understood, as it is even as I'm speaking to you now. We also talked about how the internet and social media have possibly prepared us for a life of self-isolation, 
Uh, we talked about where the band Jade Hairpins came from and what inspired its sound and lyrical intent, how it relates to what I have come to call the fucked up universe. We talked about their future plans in this currently uncertain landscape and much more. A part of the Entertainment One Network with the support of listeners like you who subscribe to this podcast and spread the word about it and make flexible monthly donations at patreon.com slash creative control plus in-kind support from Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton. This is the 536th episode of Creative Control featuring the very talented and funny Mike Halichuk and Jonah Falco of Jade Hairpins with your host, me, Vishkana. Hey, Jonah, how's it going? Hey, Vish. It's going pretty good, man. How are you? I'm all right. I'm all right. Where in the world are you? I am currently in London, England, and I'm at home. Now, uh, Your home is unique, isn't it? My home is unique. I live on a historic narrow boat. You, and, uh, yeah. Houseboat. It's, it's, there are distinctions that could be made for the uh, edification of your audience. This is a... A houseboat is generally speaking like two pontoons with a dwelling on top of it. This is a a narrow boat, which is like a vernacular kind of boat for the inland waterways of England. And uh it's long and narrow. I like see. the name suggests. I see. I see. And and do you normally have a propensity for naval living? I don't understand why you're living on a boat, Jonah. Why I you've been living on a boat for how long now? Uh, since 2016. Yeah, that's a while. That's a while to be living on a boat. Why Why did you decide living on a boat was okay for you? Uh, when I moved to London, uh, my housing options were kind of limited. And my wife and I wanted to have, we wanted to sort of have our own space. And that was prohibitive to do in London. And instead of living in sort of compromised shared accommodation, we were given the opportunity to rent out a boat that was belonged to her friend for a really small amount of money and uh it seemed like a kind of acceptable adventure sort of trade-off to to have personal space and not pay a lot of money to live in uh in london and we kind of despite the difficulties involved with it and all the totally abnormal things that uh, we had to learn about that we weren't used to living on land kind of fell in love with the lifestyle and uh stuck with it now we've got our own Wow, so if you ever came back to Canada, you might live on a boat. I always thought that it would be insanely hard to live on a boat in Canada because the winters are so much more extreme. And also there isn't the kind of, you know, there's marinas and yachts and lakes, but I don't think there's as much of a culture of living aboard in Canada. But I could be wrong. I mean, there's the the Royal Canal in in Welland. Uh Maybe there's some really sweet real estate, floating real estate. Well, I, I'm, all I'm saying is we'd love to have you back in town someday or back in the country if, you, if you're ever able to come back. Uh, and uh, if, if you need help finding a, a home, I'll, I'll scour the lakes and the rivers and uh, I'll do my best. Yeah, get, 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 get back to me if you, if you find anything interesting. You know, if, if it floats, I'm listening. I, <laughs> it's, it's an old Letterman bit, I believe. If it floats, yeah, that's it. I'm, listening. I'm listening. Yeah, I'm listening. Well, it's nice to have you back on the show, Jonah. 
Mike, Thanks. Mike, you're there somewhere. Mike, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. It's nice to have you back on the show, my friend. Where in the world are you? Uh, I'm also on a boat. Interesting. Interesting. This is t- turning into a Lonely Island video. Why are you uh, on a boat, Mike? Oh, well, I live on a vernacular boat <laughs> rigging Welland. Uh... <laughs> yeah. I... I I like that Mike is real time reviewing this podcast already. That's great. Is this just a boating podcast now? It, it, it could be. Why not? Did no, nine, it's a hu- it, it's a housing podcast. So far, the only questions we've asked, <laughs> the only only questions have been about where we live. I forgot to mention that my podcast was obtained by the Property Brothers, and now this, this is, is just <laughs> a subsidiary of Boating Fancy Magazine. That's right. That's exactly right. I mean, you've seen through the ruse. Uh, no, it's nice to have you back on the show, Mike. And uh, it's it's good. To, how are how are things in Toronto uh, during the, the the pandemic? How are things going there? Not great. You know, <laughs> it's a it's a dangerous pandemic. Yes. Yes. Yeah. You know, I mean, the sad thing is I'm pretty much living my normal life these last couple of weeks, sitting around, kind of writing things. But uh, you don't see many people on the street. Uh, there's lineups to get into the grocery store. You just read articles that are all bad news. All I mean, I guess that's kind of normal. But mm-hmm. yeah, I, so my answer is it's very normal. It's sort of normal, surreally normal. We've Maybe we've been already conditioned to live this way. That's kind of what you're getting at, Mike? No, I would just say, especially, it's weird being in Canada because all you read is news about the globe and the global pandemic. But like, obviously, it's an exponential. Who cares? You know? No, no. Who cares? I, who cares about the pandemic? Everyone cares about it. It's very difficult. I mean, part of the reason uh, I've been trying to reach out to people, like this, is another call I've made where someone is in. In this case, someone is in England, and someone, and you and I are in Canada. I'm trying to reach out with the show. To people around the world, as it happens, that's what's going on with uh, your dynamics. I think it's important to talk about it and talk about our experiences. Jonah, I didn't even ask you about the pandemic. We were so interested in the boating segment. Uh, how, <laughs> how is life in uh, Brexit, England, during a pandemic? What's going on there? Uh, it's pretty drab over here. Where I live in London, there's not a lot of like lineups to get into the supermarkets. But all the shelves are completely empty most of the time. And uh, there's rumors of people sort of like fighting over the last roll of toilet paper. And there's been footage of the military being wheeled into South London. But it might have been taken out of context, I think it was. But I mean, the, it's it's a really eerie vibe. Like five days ago, riding the bus in town was like people understanding the severity of the situation People obviously panic buying, but like the general feel of the city was quite normal. And it's, it's yesterday or a day before yesterday, I was on the bus and, uh, it was just like ashen faces and total silence and masks. And like it felt like everybody just who was out absolutely had to be out. Apparently, there's places around town where people are just pretending like nothing's happening and like everybody's out for a picnic with their family. But, uh, it's, it's pretty strange. It's like perpetual. It's like Christmas Day without the celebration or <laughs> like the kind of emptiness of a stat, stat holiday. Yeah, you know? yeah, every but day. With, with, a, with every, like a kind of sadness in the air. But I mean, it, the, the sun's shining and everybody's kind of getting on with it, so I don't know. Yeah, it's it's confusing. I mean, uh, I would say the three of us in various ways have been involved in uh, various forms of community building over the years. Uh, Mike, social distancing is obviously the <laughs> complete opposite of that. Uh, 
Are you able to reach out to people? Are you going out? Are you staying in? I don't know. I go to get stuff. I don't. I haven't really been hanging out. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's weird. It is. I think it's glum because we're sort of we're sort of experiencing like a collective totalitarianism, right? Like we're all doing this thing together, which is that we've all decided to not have lives anymore. So in you know it's that's that's how it's hitting home for me is that you know people are dying and the economy is crumbling and then also like we're it's this surreal realization that like one day we all woke up and we were like living in a dystopian totalitarian f- work of fiction where you can't see your friends you don't have you have this freedom but we've all sort of agreed to not have it and we're just sort of waiting to see if we'll ever be able to have our lives again, which, and you know, the distance to it seems to get longer every, every day you wake up and read the news about how, you know, this will be over in two weeks. This will be over in two months. This will be over in 12 months. We'll be get a vaccine in 18 months. Mm. We'll be doing this for two years. It's just, it's very surreal to realize that we've woken up into this reality. That's like actual, it's like fascism without the murder and the violence, you know, it's just the self-imposed craziness. Yeah. Yeah. I'm experiencing the same thing. And, uh, yeah, the information is, uh, by the time people hear this, the whole world could be different. The information could be different. It's, it is very confusing. Mike, you mentioned that you are mostly sticking to routines. Are you writing songs in this period? Yeah, I'm writing stuff. I don't, I can only really write music in the studio and I had a bunch of studio dates canceled because of this. So I'm just sort of, I don't know. We had a bunch of stuff in the, in the pan that we're sort of prepping to have happen now, but uh, I'm just writing some like little stories and lyrics to things and trying to write some fucked up lyrics. Mm. But you know, it's, it's eventually going to sort of seem point more pointless than it did before because you know, we were sort of booking shows and that's, that's been put on hold indefinitely. Like our booking agent just got laid off from his company. Oh my God. Who also laid off like 70% of their staff. And so now it's just like you stare into your computer and use bright lyrics for this record that nobody might ever hear, which sort of is that, you know, that's this existential thing that you have as a music person or artist or whatever. But now it's like very, it's like very physically real that you could work on this record that you have half done that might never come out because one day <laughs> there might not be anybody to listen to it or something. Yeah. Or the, well, it, it, go ahead, I Jonah. It just, it, it feels like there, the, this we've been put on pause as a preventative motion uh, in order to stop this from really getting out of hand. And like, I, I don't want to diminish the impact of, of this, um, of this virus because obviously it could easily really incapacitate like the entire world more than it has already, but it's also not the black plague. Uh, so I think it's not like if you step outside or see somebody that you know, that you're almost certainly going to face death. So there is a kind of, um, I wouldn't say optimism, but there's a sort of the idea that things will go back to normal, but the, to, 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 to build on what Mike was saying, like, feels like overnight music has been 
absolutely kneecapped and it's and will never run again in a funny way like mm. venues mm. here have sort of closed their doors for this temporary government imposed closure and we all know very well they're never going to open again and like you know banning gatherings of 10 or more people outside of a supermarket for the foreseeable future means that like everything has now become this immaterial thing performance studio relaying things like it's it's frightening to be a creative like our our entire entire world and our entire reason for being or our ability to be an entertainer is completely compromised at the moment. Well, you 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 were hinting there at the kind of ahistoricism that's going to go on here, Jonah. Like the fact that there's not no one's going to be able to create anything tangible or have a real lived experience on some level. It's all going to be pretty virtual. Um, well, I I wouldn't say that that's the be all and end all of it, but that seems to be like that's an idea of what can happen. I mean, I also think. Uh, the frightening thing, just to talk about frightening things one more time, is that this is, without diminishing the impact that COVID is having, you know, imagine what happens when a fucking, like, incredibly violent disease comes and this is like, you know, this just feels like a drill. Oh, I, I, so that's I, what this I, is. It is this a drill. Is one. Yeah. yeah. This is the this is the incredibly, like, that's the crazy thing about this thing is that, like, as someone who's grown up with, you know, reading all these fucking books and stuff is this thing we're in now is like a step away from like the bleakest fascism where you don't see your friends and you have to, you're only just on your computer and your phone in your house. Mm. It's one step away from that. while at the same time being one step away from like the fantasy of like capitalism crumbling and like society just yeah. having to be completely reorganized. Sort of, And I'm, you know, we've only been going through this for like a week yeah. and already we're, having a forecast of what our lives are going to be like in two years. So yeah. it's sort of, it's really early yet to talk about what is going to happen structurally to like our society, obviously yeah. like the disease is serious enough that like we have to, people are going to talk about that stuff anyways, but we're just in the, we're right smack in the middle of these two futures that people have been like dreaming about or fearing, you know, for the duration of like the 20th century and, you know, that's the crazy thing is like when you wake up in a situation that you've read about in like science fiction novels, like that in itself is a weird sci-fi trope, but that's what happened. Like that's what's happening to us now. You know, it's like we're faced with this dismal potential existence. That's like a real, it's real, you know, like this is, this is the black plague. Like if this had happened before social media, and before we could like, you know, people talk about how slow the response from Italy was and in the States, like that's only, we're only talking about a matter of days. Like the, you, the United States was like three days slow in like telling people about social distancing and Italy was like, what, a week slow? Yeah. Like imagine mm -hmm. if this happened 50 years ago, like a week in Italy would have been like a year and everyone would be dead. Right. You know, everybody who was susceptible to getting, getting this disease Millions and millions of people would already be dead if this yeah, happened, what, like in what, any other era. Then what was than the death toll of the of the, Span the Spanish flu in the early twentieth century? It was million yeah of people, right? Like yeah, nineteen eighteen. That's right. That's correct. Yeah, that's right. Because the information I mean, wasn't able to spread as quickly as it, it is now. Like to Mike's point, I mean, Mike, I I, you're, I I sometimes wonder if we are in some weird. There's a fucked up song 
uh, about how we're living in a simulation. And I always think of it uh, whenever there's some weird coincidence in my life or, <laughs> you know, when I think about the fact that my sister and I, our age gap is literally exactly the same as my son and daughter. And I, and I, mm-hmm. I think of that fucked up thing a, a, a lot because I'm like, is anything real? And you're getting into kind of self-fulfilling prophecy. Like we all adopted a social distancing infrastructure with the internet. And then one day, like you said, we woke up and they said, well, that's all you can really use. Like the way we're communicating now, mm-hmm. I'm like you said, it's sort of normal for you. I kind of communicate this way a lot with my guests on this show. And when I talk to people, it's like using these things. It's like we're, we were meant, we were kind of prepared somehow for this. Um, well, that's the thing, right? Like we spent, you know, the last, the last 20 years, 10 years talking about the effect that social media is having in our lives. And like, you know, humanity on a whole is sort of on this trend to, you know, this is very trite to say now, but like, sure, we've all been distancing as a trend and it's, you know, it's just going to keep happening and people will get, people are just going to get farther and farther apart from each other physically, just as a consequence of the internet and blah, 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 all that stuff that everybody knows. Yeah. But the weird thing is that now it's like saving millions of people's lives just because we have this infrastructure already where like you can sort of stay sane in your house and like set up a Zoom chat and like sort of talk to all your friends on the Internet because we've been, you know, we've been training to we've been training for this disease by accident for like, since we were all teenagers, yes. which is like literally <laughs> saving millions and millions of people's lives. Not to mention the fact that like news travels in an instant, you know, like yeah. hundreds of papers have already been published about this, this disease in the last couple of weeks that are like affecting how governments act in accordance to it. And it's now, you know, the punk records that are going to come out of this fucking thing are going to be so confused for like the next 10 years because it's such a confusing like which way do you turn like is it bad that is it bad that we've all been accustomed to this life is it i mean i sort of feel depressed that i'm like everyone's like oh shit you know like and i'm like well this is my this has been my life when i'm home i could just sit around and work on stuff slowly and you know sorry what do you mean i I mean i appreciate that you might be uh, expressing uh feelings of depression but what do you mean there? You're depressed because you're almost depressed because nothing has really changed for you personally. Like this is <laughs> just in a funny way. Like, yeah, this social distancing thing is like very common for people already just because of, you know, the way their psychology is. Yeah. Okay. Um, Jonah, I didn't get to ask you this question. I asked a, a Mike, are you writing in this period? Are you, is anything about this period inspiring you to try to put your thoughts down in, in the work you do as a, as a singer, as a songwriter? I am doing a bit of writing, but I mean, I don't have the, this is, this period is not inspiring me to put my thoughts down. In fact, it's put me on the back foot pretty much with everything that I'm doing because I'm living in a, a kind of inhospitable place in a way that uh, is like a, a city space and inhospitable city space in the sense that it's, it's fast, it's huge, it's expensive, it's very fast paced. And I live in a weird way, uh, like my housing situation is weird, and also my profession is weird because it's incredibly volatile. And uh, uh, I'm I'm kind of bracing for what it means, what it's going to mean for how I live here, or how I continue to sort of like 
exist as a creative person and whether or not I need to, you know, pick up a hammer and just start working on a job site, if even that can be done, or work for Deliveroo, which would be the only industry left in the next, for the next six months, it's food delivery. So I'm, I am a bit more on the back foot in terms of being creative. Musically, I find it okay to make music, so I am going to try and do some things that don't involve putting word pen to paper, so to speak, but more like putting notes in because that's something I can focus on that doesn't it's a completely different part of the brain than like speech formation or word formation. It, it doesn't cause the same kind of, you know, reflection that engages fear. But I'm also trying to, I'm, be, I'm being very task oriented. So one of the things that I do uh, outside of any band is uh, mix other people's records, blah, blah, blah. So I've been doing lots of that. And that's, that's like also keeping a focus and it's like, that's a very inward experience. I'm just sort of wondering, like, I, I'm lucky I, I live with my partner. And so I have company, but like, I'm wondering what the next layer of alienation is going to be like. like way. If, if the world we already live in with social media is like, it's filled with creative expressions of alienation and, and distance. Now that we're like, under lockdown, I'm sort of wondering what the next layer of that being expressed creatively might look like or how alienation is even going to work when you don't know it's on the outside to begin with. Yeah. Uh, Mike, are you laying a lobster trap or something? What's going on over there? Uh, just putting a sweater on. I'm <laughs> vegetarian. Play, laying a lobster trap. <laughs> I don't know. What was, the sounds are pretty intense. I think they're coming from Mike, unless that was you, Joe. It sounded like, a, nah, I heard like a slurping sound. Maybe there's like a grapefruit or something. Well, I, I heard a zipping. I heard like a, a, like I say, a lobster trap and then a zipping. Like you're getting into a slicker? Like, is that what's going what on? Is, Who, which one is of like you, this? which one of you is actually on a boat is my question at this point. It's Mike. <laughs> He's proved it. I'm on. I'm stuck on one of the cruise ships. You're, oh my god! For yeah. lobsters. That's you know. Interestingly, I was thinking about this too, Mike. Because you're you, Mike. You run the fucked up Twitter account, right? Yeah. We can admit that on the podcast. Okay. So one of the things I've noticed is in the face of bleakness, uh, myself included, a lot of us are trying to make jokes on the social media platforms because I think most of life is laughing in the face of death. When you get up every day and you do your work and you defy <laughs> you defy death every day and illness and you say I'm You're laughing even now just talking about I can't it. help but laugh at this uh, very intense and anxiety I have anxiety, right? Uh and so this is all just inducing anxiety, but I'm I'm keeping it at bay by making jokes. Have you have you been doing that with the fucked up Twitter? Do you are you is there anything you can make light of here? I've made a few pithy like joke type things and then immediately regretted them and then deleted them the next day it does i don't know the thing is no. like under these circumstances anything anyone has ever thought of that might be like funny or creative to say people are just dealing with that specific thing like in an onslaught i feel like like you know what i mean we're all here sitting like oh what's some funny hopeful thing i could say on twitter and then every millions of people are doing that but do you would you agree with me on some level that writing a song and or making a joke or creating something is kind of keeping like I mean before a pandemic just in life I saw, I've been thinking well, about this Well yeah like this is getting to the definition of art in as a whole right like art comedy blah your know, human expression is just the yeah it's dancing in the face of death right like yeah. that's what this all was for anyways 
Exactly. Yeah. So sure. Okay. Okay. Uh, so in the midst of all of this stuff, Jade Hairpins, uh, exists now. And, uh, the record is at least, I think, sonically upbeat. Um, I've been trying to delve into what is being conveyed lyrically, but I think the record. Good luck. <laughs> yeah, it's a little, it's mixed in a, in a way that I, uh, pick out phrases here and there, and I, I'm trying to wrap my head around it a little bit. Why don't we um, why don't we actually talk about the origins of this project? Uh, Jonah, when Mike was last on the show to talk about Dose Your Dreams, he mentioned that, um, I think it was maybe, and Mike, maybe you can correct me, I don't know if it was downtime per se in the studio, but you guys started messing around with kind of t- technology a bit more, drum machines, uh, synth- synthesized kind of uh, sounds. Is that is that fair, Jonah? Yeah, there was some uh, synths and drum machines in the studio, I think, left over from another session or they were just there for an upcoming one after we were in and we started using them uh they made their way onto the fucked up record and then some of the stuff that we were coming up with or you know i'd I'd show up and mike would have three quarters of a song written in this sort of funky way wasn't suitable for fucked up and it got sort of like sidelined for something uh and then uh, that in combination with over the winter um, to try and chase the tail of of that like more outside electronic stuff. Mike, myself, Trevor from Doom Squad, Moshe from uh, Absolutely Free, got together in uh, in like a in a room with a bunch of synths and with ex- with the express purpose of making an electronic record. And a couple of those songs ended up as hairpin songs as well. After all the music got created. It was going to be a compendium to dose your dreams, but it, it, it just, it wasn't like, it was too good to just be a sort of side, a side project that would go away forever. And so we, we've turned it into a real band. You said something there that stuck out for me about how the Jade Hairpins, the stuff that ultimately became Jade Hairpins material, uh, was kind of in the works during a fucked up album, but didn't fit the, the fucked up aesthetic so to speak and then i think about dose your dreams and how eclectic that record sounds and i i just can't help but think what couldn't fit (laughs) on that record like that record encompassed so much so much stuff and i just wondered if some of the maybe it's just the kind i hear a real sort of british punk influence on the jade hairpins thing and i think of john southworth's voice uh coming through on dose your dreams and i'm like this kind of has that monks kind of quality or whatever you want to call it like just that you know what i mean like kind of new wavy british stuff and i anyway that just occurred to me as you were talking jonah and i could maybe mike do you want to speak to that like what doesn't fit a fucked up album in the year 2020 i can't even imagine anymore (laughs) well i mean all the songs that are on the jade hairprints record like (laughs) it was it sort of just happened by accident right like we we record in this way that's very drawn out and slow and but also sort of intense like that recording Dose Your Dreams wasn't like we all got in a studio for a couple of weeks and made this record. Like over two years, we just were puttering away, making up little riffs and loops and stuff and playing with different things. And we ended up with like eight, not eight, maybe like f- there's five releases that came out of those two years. So there's a fucked up record. There's like the fake comp. There's a couple singles of different bands. Uh, and we amassed enough songs that sort of sounded similar enough to be 
this their own record and I, I was like well what if we did sort of an Abbey Road Admire thing where it's all these little ditties and they're all all the subjects are sort of these vignettes character based vignettes and it was going to be called that's what the Jade Hairpins idea was and so originally it was just going to be this side record of songs that all sounded similar that we me and him had been working on for a couple of years hmm. but then you know fucked up is very slow now and I, you know, I think I wanted to, I want to keep like sort of touring intensely and making music and blah, blah, blah. And I thought Jonah sort of seemed like the kind of person who wanted to sing in a band. Sorry, sorry but what Either is that? Either shuffle millions well, of papers. Yeah. What is so, going on? Who? Is that Jonah? Is that you? What is going on over there? What are you, are you now? Uh, uh, some, uh, it was, somebody <laughs> just came aboard and I had to move a, uh, Bag of bag of laundry. Oh my god! <laughs> Somebody, of some I, some you get stole. Your laundry delivered to your boat? No, I fucking wish. Uh, no. Uh, is your boat? You just do a huge realize. bonobo tour. Is your is your I, is your I boat being invaded? What? Yeah, Somebody I'm just being, came aboard. Being boarded. Being boarded. <laughs> Sorry, Mike. I just I'm being conscious of the uh, people listening and all the clutter and clatter. I don't mean to uh, to sound judgy, guys. I'm just trying to produce an interview as I'm doing it. And, uh, the sounds are crazy. So just, let's, let's just settle down a little bit. Can we, gentlemen, gentlemen, please take your seats. Okay. And, uh, Mike, you were saying. Did you just erase this stuff? No, I can't. After? No, I can't erase anything. It was a good answer. It just was, uh, upended by laundry. That's all that happened. It happens yeah, on the show all the time. <laughs> happens on the show all the time. People board boats. In garage band, you can just, can't you just do a little fade in, fade out? Scenario? Well, I, I mean, I could, but you were in the midst Cross of an, you, I can totally edit it. I don't judge me and my skills. I can totally fix it on some level. However, ideally, no one would be making noise. That's it. Extra noise. Please talk. And, uh, now it's, it's getting a little meta and I don't like it. Mike, were you finished with your answer? I kind of got distracted. I have to say. Yeah, we had a bunch of songs and put them onto a record and then we'll, <laughs> we played them live. And now we're here. Now we're here. What is it, uh, uh, Jonah, of all the people in Fucked Up, it seems that you and Mike have uh, been coming a bit closer together creatively, creatively, rather. and can you speak to that dynamic? What is it that brings you two together maybe more than some of the other members? I think we just have kind of complementary playing styles and complementary creative styles. I don't know. I'm, I, I'm, after working this long together, there's a kind of intuition about anticipating how another person works. <laughs> How the lob, how the, where the lobster trap falls. Is where it falls. Uh, I know that because I brought attention to it. It's only going to get noisier because I know you both, yeah. and that's just the way things are going to go, and that's fine. Uh, yeah, it's it's just a dynamic. But I, we, Mike and I had a conversation a long time ago. I don't know if he remembers in uh, in a rap out, sort of continuing to make music after fucked up. Uh, if 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 fucked up, sort of like disappeared tomorrow or something in the sense that I think that we, we kind of, we complement each other um, stylistically and, and work, work well enough together. I'm sure uh, Mike has something to say about communication skills, but you know, that's part of the charm. Wait, but also, sorry, sorry. Wait a minute. Both, Mike has something to say about your communication skills or about his own communication skills. No, about mine. Oh no. The, the point being, we're also the two people that are in the position to be, the most available to still be in a band. We, we, we haven't got children and uh, we're both like incredibly invested in music. 
as a kind of singular exercise. It's we've definitely made it our entire existence. So we're really like in the same vessel together in, in that sense. And like we've got a lot of momentum as 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 creative um as like a creative partnership. So yeah. Um, here we are. Mike, uh, do you wanna follow up on any of that? Is there something in particular about working with Jonah that uh sort of sparks your your own creativity? Well, yeah, we're like co-writers and that on the last couple of fucked up records, it's sort of been like that, but it's because we're the, we're like the last two standing, right? Like out of the people in fucked up, everybody sort of moved on in a certain way, except me and Jonah realized we didn't really know how to do anything else or want to do anything else. I would imagine. So we just kept making music. <laughs> you yeah. got a lot of piles of papers to file. You know, yeah. I, I don't, mean to get um too personal with this we've talked a little bit about what's going on obviously in the state of the world and what it means for music i mean in terms of your own jonah you hinted at this already i guess but planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like european linen premium luggage options buttery soft italian leather bags and so much more and it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. In terms of material conditions, like just the idea of being able to uh generate income during this time like mike what is your life like right now in terms of that like exactly the same because it's sort of you know this is the it's like the touring cycle you go on fucked up went on tour for the for the year of 2019 i think 2019 so you you know you just travel the world and scoop up the rubles <laughs> and then you're sort of, you're supposed to come home and just, just chill and work on music for that year or that two years and then go out again and you make it, you like make the money every couple years and then you just sort of chill is my experience of it. Hmm. And so now like this, this hairpins thing is, is an outlier, but you know, I'm working on like four fucked up records now. So That'll that'll get back on track whenever the the we're allowed to tour and stuff like that. Okay, okay. This was meant to be like funk, like structurally. I think we realized, okay, like fucked up's going to do less touring, less shows, less records. This will be our thing to do in between all of that. Hmm. You know what I mean? Like it is truly still like a side project, even though we're on we're doing this podcast dedicated to Jade Hairpins now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's. It's a thing that me and Jonah can still play and tour, hopefully, while Fucked Up is taking a break or many breaks. Okay. I also feel like stylistically, this is like a place to park a lot of other ideas and also to to try things that like, I mean, Fucked Up always gives itself a carte blanche on creatively on more or less everything it does. 
like you pointed out, Vish. Yeah. But as Mike and I have pointed out, there there are things that like we don't. Well, we're both pointing things out. Like let's be yeah. clear on that. I mean, let's everybody just pick a thing and point it out. I I, uh, I feel like I've pointed some things out. Well, there's there's there there are there are ways that uh, Mike and I working together or the, the band fucked up working together wouldn't would not approach things because of how the band sounds. Even when we when we've pushed the boat out. I'm going to stop with the boat metaphors. There's a lot of Even, them. You've made a lot. Okay. You, used, you said you were in the I've same the vessel. Same the same uh, it's just yeah, a lot yeah. of stuff. It's interesting. I, that's, I said vessel because I didn't want to say we were in the same boat. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but here we are. Anyway, even when Fucked Up does stuff that's like outlandish for what somebody might expect Fucked Up to do, there are certain approaches that we don't have to it. And this is like a total other sensibility and a total other psychology to making a, a creative project. Uh, even though it's the same two people coming up with it. So, I mean, that, that occupies like a really important part, I think, in this okay, that's, process for me. That's fair. I've, I've only briefly hinted at the sound of this band. So let's get you two to talk about it a little bit. Uh, Mike, uh, I, I'm, yes. I'm, I'm, I'm interested in both the kind of, uh, division of labor, so to speak, between you and Jonah in terms of lyric writing and, 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 and the actual music. But, uh, and we can get to that with both of you. But first, Characterize the sound of Jade Hairpins. We've kind of been skirting around it a little bit, but how would you describe it in terms of its attack, its approach? I think I was aiming aiming at the Talking Heads universe, and then sort of there's a couple songs that are very influenced by Talking Heads where it's like very square bass lines and sort of simple looping guitar things and sort of then poignant sounding vocals. And it's like very all the tracks are simple. And then we had some electronics come into the studio that we found and made some sort of new order sounding stuff. But uh, yeah, the record is a little bit of like a catalog of what me and Jonah are into that isn't like blazing guitar music, right? There's like a couple songs that, I don't know, like there's one song that's like a ripoff of like one Bill Wyman song. And that's kind of like how we, I think me and Jonah used to write, like it's almost like writing as covers, like you get interested in one little punk song on a B-side or something, and you're like, oh, let's write a song like that, and then you rewrite that song almost, which is sort of like, that's the that's like the hardcore aesthetic, I think, of of music. So, yeah, the record is, a lot of it is like, oh, we really love this one song, let's write something like that. And so the references were, yeah, like, Talking Heads, New Order, Lips Incorporated, there's a song that sounds like that a lot, like uh, uh, Sparks. M- M- M's pop music. Yeah, M M's pop music is a big one. So I think you could distill the record down into like six or seven songs, specific songs me and Jonah really like, and that's where the record came from. Okay, so you mentioned a lot of more pop oriented things, uh, but also very rhythmic, rhythmically oriented. Like like when I think of Sparks or Talking Heads, there's a real sophistication in their approach to pop music. Uh, Jonah, I mentioned some British bands. Uh, I hear a bit of a. A British uh, brogue, I suppose. He's not British, you know. He just lives there. Yeah, but is yeah. that is it fair? There's a bit of is that is that infiltrating your approach to singing these songs? Uh, well, when I was singing on these songs initially, uh, I was just singing on them. I didn't necessarily understand myself to be the actual front person of this band. So, I mean, me as a singer, anyway, is like a lot of performance. In, in the sense that, like, I guess, like, everybody who's a singer has to, or a musician or an entertainer, you, you, you build, like, a character for yourself. But these songs in particular are all kind of not in my most genuine voice. They're in other voices. So 
you know, I think Jay Terrapin has the most, like, um, effective speech on it. Yeah. But that's because I, I'm, I'm trying to speak from the voice of a, somebody that isn't actually me. I mean, the songs that are like the most honest sounding in terms of just writing about something that wasn't strictly about being character based was like, uh, don't break my devotion and, uh, yesterday. Those are just sort of in sort of basic Jonah register. But so, some of the stuff is like just performance. It's like comedy, not, not, you know, like in a, in a drama way. Okay. But well, is there something? What? <laughs> What'd you say, Mike? Just disappeared. <laughs> I was just saying bye to Jonah because he felt he like fell off the earth or whatever. Oh, oh, right. Sorry. Oh, sorry. <laughs> okay, I thought maybe that was we are on a technically sort of like a phone like, call. Shit, I didn't realize that was being that boring. I was, done. I'm done. Goodbye. I thought <laughs> that's like, what I thought that's what happened. Uh, in terms of the the lyrical, uh, I, I mean, I think of when I think of fucked up, I think of it as Mike's sort of lyrical uh, baby on some that's level. True. On some level. Can we talk a little bit about how the uh, lyric writing occurred on this particular uh, record and in this band? I wrote the majority of the lyrics. Oh, you did? Uh, I did. I'm shocked. Uh, yeah. He's the singer. I know, but Mike, you, you also work with Damien Abraham, who's the singer, and, and Ben and, and Sandy and, and Josh. Those guys are all kind of singers. And you sing, too. And Jonah sings too in the other band, the fucked up band. So I just Josh is a singer. Yes, every once in a while, every once in a while, every once in a while, I see Josh get up on the mic and sing some stuff. Sure, Mike, the microphone. I know he doesn't get up on you. Anyway, my point here is, and I don't know why this has been so complicated. Jonah, tell us more about the lyrics and maybe what uh, inspired them. Are there? Is there? Do you feel a thematic going on on this Jade Hairpins record? No, they're all they're all islands. They're all like little islands of writing um, because the record was sort of supposed to be character based about different sort of elements of uh, the sort of fucked up comic universe. Uh-huh. Um, so I, I wrote the lyrics with some of the themes. I was I was like sort of pointed in the, in the direction of some themes vis-a-vis what these elements were. So each song sort of exists in its own thing. But like broadly speaking, the way they got written and the way the themes developed was like a lot about selflessness, regret, and the sort of shunting of, of greed. And that those seem to be the sort of main themes of the record. Song like Terrapin is like kind of total nonsense. It was, it's about total misdirection and absurdity. Mm. Uh, like there's the, the lines in that song is like, jades and gems and stems and hymns and flapping kestrels it's like i will say that i'm probably the first person in history to write those lines into a song and maybe the last it's not exactly your standard pop hook sure but some of the other ones have like a bit more relatable content about reflection and and uh and you know going about your going going through your life just trying to sort of deal with the contradictions that people present to themselves all the time in terms of uh words jonah do you have a, yes. a, a lyrical muse, so to speak, someone who's writing you particularly enjoy and appreciate and maybe serves as an inspiration to you? I maybe will seem silly for admitting this, but I don't love – I love writing, but I don't love song lyrics. And and uh, I rarely, rarely gravitate towards the lyrics. I almost always pick up the melody or the rhythm thing first and foremost, and the, and the lyrics are an afterthought. To the point where 
the band, the number ones who are a great power pop band from Dublin were playing in London and for their encore, they, they called me up on stage by name and said, and they pulled me aside and they said, you're going to have to sing teenage kicks by the undertones, which huh. is like the most standard power pop punk song that I love. It's been central to like so much music education at, in my youth, blah, blah, blah. I couldn't remember a single fucking word. And I went up there and ham fisted my way through blah, 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 until I got to the chorus. So, <laughs> okay. You know, so, okay. I, I, I see the voices like a voice in these songs as, as like an instrument for some reason. And, and the lyrics, yeah, I don't have a favorite lyric writer. Well, I think of Mike, uh, who's on the line with us, I hope still. I know he said mm-hmm. goodbye earlier. Mike is very, I think of Mike as being a very well read, uh, guy. And I feel like sometimes I said this to him when we were talking about Dose Your Dreams. Like there was a real prose aspect to the lyrics on that record and other fucked up records. I mean, he was saying earlier about how he is like our current timeline feels like a dystopian novel or something like that. So by that same token, Jonah, are there prose writers? that might have inspired you, not just songwriters, but like you're talking about a lyrical uh, progression there or whatever you want to call it, a lyrical... Um, you, you had these lyrics that you're like, I don't think anyone is else, else has ever said this, and it has a... It's a wordiness, it's a poetic quality. Can you? Is there a writer, generally, or writing beyond music that you appreciate? Uh, I generally like over-writers, but if I, I, I really like Alain Robgrier and... Uh, he wrote a book called Jalousie, which is like basically the same story. Sounds told. French. It's it's French as French as they come. It's basically French the, as uh, <laughs> French as <laughs> French as you like, baby. Uh, it's like almost the same story told four times in a row from like different angles and different perspectives, like physical perspectives in the room, not necessarily person's perspectives and this whole story unfolds from these various angles so i I mean i like this sort of abstract stuff and i also like i love overwriting things if that's not already apparent by some of the words that i've written for this record that sounds like what's going on here yeah absolutely and there's a uh like a a a film essay tv personality or whatever called jonathan meads that i got really into Mm -hmm. over the past six years who does these sort of love letters to cities and places around the world and has he's been doing it since the late 80s for the BBC and and he has like the, an incredibly dry overwritten humorous and engaging way of writing and those are the kinds of things that I that I seem to like okay mike is this one of the first times you've kind of been involved in a project with someone like Jonah in particular where you've sort of seeded lyrical control if you will to to another person is that is that true no, Damien writes half of the fucked up lyrics. Okay, okay. Does he really write half of them? I didn't know that. Yeah. Like, I'm still... I thought you were just kind of taking stuff over. Well, I wrote the last... I wrote the whole last record, but he writes... I mean, generally, he has written half of them. Okay. If we, if we like, sit down to do a, a record, we kind of split them up evenly. Do you, uh, do you two, you and Jonah, like, kind of offer feedback to one another or seek counsel, so to speak? In what? In sort of lyric In writing. Lyrics? Yeah. No, he just, you know, Jonah just did his thing. Like, just wanted to be more traditional pop thing. Yeah. So, you know, singer writes the singer writes the hooks, the lyrics, and sings them. Okay. I wrote, like, a chorus on the record. That's it. Ah, okay. That's interesting. Now, you guys just did it before the, um, 
shutdown, lockdowns uh, worldwide. You guys did a tour, right? Yeah, yeah, we played six, six, seven shows in England. And how was that? It was really good. It, it, but it was it, for two people that have been in the same band for 20 years. It's kind of funny playing our first six shows with something, you know? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I, I'm just curious. Mike, did you enjoy it? Was it fun? Yeah, it was fun. It was, uh, yeah, it was like a, it was like going back in time, like 15 years to, and have it, like starting a project from scratch is, uh, it's like exciting and, but stressful, but in like stressful in a fun way where it's like, there's, yeah, I don't have the slog of like it feeling like a job yet. It's cool. Okay. I'm playing bass, which is like fun and easier to play than guitar in terms of setting stuff up. And there's not everything is riding on. You can kind of, my sensibility on stage is just sort of hide behind the performer, so bass is even more suited to that. Right. Who's in the? By the way, I play bass in this band. Yeah. Is it is it true, Mike, bass. that you you tend to play the bass in uh, Jade Hairpins? Is that true? I tend to play the bass. Yeah, I'm the bass player. Okay, that's good. That's good to know. Yeah. I I'd heard that uh, elsewhere. Jonah, who's in the band exactly, and what do they do? We've got uh, two two people from the sort of London, Greater London music planet in the band Tamsin Leach and Jack Goldstein. Both of them have been in bands. I, I know Tamsin through the punk scene here and I know Jack. We met in a pub in South London uh, when I was at school here. I, I studied I studied composition for a year um, at Goldsmiths when I first came to the UK in 2016. Oh, okay. And um, I just met him in a I met him in a pub one day and we, we were all sitting down. It was like a mutual friend. And uh, it turns out his band that were called the Dresdens opened for Fucked Up on like five shows and a tour in like 2010 or something. Some sort of like weird coincidence. And we just became friends. And uh, he's like this sort of polymath, musical polymath that has a kind of bedroom pop thing. Okay. That, uh, and uh, so, yeah. And, and Tamsin, Tamsin is in... Uh, a punk band called S E S, and uh, yeah. So I, I was just trying to, you know, Mike and I were talking about how to make the band more of a real thing, uh, and we we came to the conclusion that having it be based in London might be a, a more interesting starting place for it. And uh, so these are our these are our London musicians. That must be fun for you, Mike. You got a band over the pond, across the pond, so to speak. Yeah, I guess it's fun. I mean, I've only been there to do one thing with it so far, but right, uh, right. I guess I'll go back. Okay. Jonah did say something that I wanted to follow up uh, with you, uh, Mike, about uh, the uh, the fucked up universe and how uh, uh, he called it the comic universe, I guess. Uh, <laughs> and uh, we, ca- we talked about this a little bit the last time you were on the show, but uh, Mike, how does the Jade Hairpins landscape sort of interact with the fucked up universe? Do you see what Jonah's talking about? Yeah, well, originally I think that was the idea, right? Which we talked about, but now it's just its own uh, thing. Okay, you don't feel like it's an extension, or if people can pick out the lyrics, they might pick up on some connections or characters. Well, the name, the name of the band is it comes out of "Dose Your Dreams," but uh, and okay, some of the some of the hairpin songs are about characters from "Dose Your Dreams." But going forward, it's a, it's will be its own uh, thing. You want to be conscious of that. You're going to consciously shift it away from fucked up. Yeah, I think it's, it's well. It's been, not like related in some physical way. It's just a, another band that we're in. Well, I mean, just to be clear here, and I think Jonah, when we 
when I post, we're, we're selling the rights to Jade Hairpins to Sony, so it's not, <laughs> it's no longer. I, one, in, I, uh, if I think back on when you were last on the show, Mike, and I posted about it on Twitter and elsewhere, Jonah chimed in to share it and said something like, this is one of the most extensive explanations about how the fucked up universe works, which I thought was interesting because it, he picked up on that. He picked up on the fact that you, uh, when we got to talking about it, Mike, you were, you were pretty open about it, how it works and why it works the way it does and why it's sort of amusing to have this multi-layered thing. You know, you, it's sort of entertainment for you and your fans. Uh, so the fact that you've got this record and this project is really an offshoot of the last fucked up experience, right? Yeah. So but there's already been like four records come out since Dose Your Dreams that were related like very specifically to that record. Okay. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. But it's, yeah, I'm trying to parse what you're saying there. Is it going, are you trying to say, this, this what record, do you mean by that? Like, how does, how does one band fit into another band's unit? Like that doesn't make, that doesn't, that's not a real thing. Well, you should talk We're to, in a band. you should talk to Jonah about it. Cause he's the one who said it. What? No, no. <laughs> this, you're asking the questions here. Yeah. The origins, he said, uh, the, <laughs> the origins of some of the content and the origins of the project was sort of, started in the dose your dreams world but at this point it's just we already talked band. about all this for tw- like 20 minutes though yeah no i have some um, to to recap uh or <laughs> it must here's be what happened shoddy we were in a band. <laughs> no no we yeah no no some of the songs jade, jade, hairpins, is, jade hairpins is just its own thing it's and especially because lyrically i'm i'm the one sort of like drunkenly steering the ship for the most part from now Boat. on anyway it's a boat. It's a boat. <laughs> Fucking, I did it again. <laughs> Woo! Okay, everybody, uh, do a do a shot every time I say boat in this podcast. Yeah, you know it gets further away from the gravitational pull of fucked up, which is which is really Mike's creative. It's not actually world, a world universe. <laughs> it is a universe. Joan is now just trying to pick up these like astrological metaphors to explain it. I've yeah. See, I've got to. Uh, Oh, again, the we talked about this before. I think just some of the ways you guys uh, uh, sort of put stuff out and the, the kind of enigmatic quality of it, it creates a kind of conspiratorial cloud over everything you do. <laughs> but oddly, oddly enough, Airpins is supposed to be like less conspiratorial. I think it's confusing content-wise because it's it's new thematics and also the lyrics that I wrote anyway on the record are like a bit disconnected and nonsensical. They don't have that like narrative arc to it, but it it is like uh, oh, I lost my train of thought. Well, I find I find I think it was metaphor. it was we it was like drawn out and conspiratorial like ten or fifteen years oh, yeah. ago. But like here we are painstakingly going over every detail about how one record is related to another before it is in, even out. Well, this is like the least conspiratorial thing of all time. Sure, sure. We're cl- well. That's what that's part of. Other than just wanting to hang out a little bit on the internet, I thought that's what we were doing. It's just sort of explaining yeah. things. Uh, the only thing I wanted to ask about that I haven't yet is a uh, very superficial on some level. But Jonah, why Harmony Avenue? That has a very like kind of um, almost a psychedelic kind of pop quality to it, just in terms of a name. What what does that mean? In uh, in the spirit of transparency. I did not come up with the name Harmony Avenue. And it, as a matter of fact, it, I was not convinced that it would be a very good title for the album. But 
I'm willing to to roll with it. And 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 that's just what the album's called now, so I'm I'm good with it. But uh it's supposed to be a kind of nod to Abbey Road and also stylistically I just do you guys yeah, like, it's, li- it's just a take. You guys it's doing fucking table talk over there? Uh, someone I, was I heard, ty- heard, someone was typing something. I heard, yeah, I heard, wasn't me. I heard typing and laughter. Yeah, well, sorry, I heard typing and then I laughed because of the oh, noise. I just typed a joke into my computer. Uh huh. Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You guys, I'm, <laughs> so, I'm, here on, I'm here on a phone out to sea. I know. De- uh, dead center in the pandemic. I have you guys no- are Making light behind I, my back. No, I haven't moved. Dirty I haven't rats. haven't moved the thing. I haven't rattled the phone. You just made another boat pun, by the way. Yeah, this podcast is starting to sink. I'm worried. Uh, listen, who named it? Name the name of the person who named the, the album Harmony Avenue. Take a guess. I'm guessing it was Mike. Yeah. Why, Mike? Why'd you call it Harmony Avenue? Uh, because I wanted, I wanted to force Jonah into like putting so many harmonies on every song. Because he's a good singer. Force my him. ass. And also because it's an <laughs> Abbey Road pun, because that's what we had talked about. That's what the oh, okay. record. And also because um, harmony to me is a word that like sort of has, somehow to me it has sinister connotations as well as like literally meaning the opposite. Yeah, yeah. In that comic book, The Invisibles, which I really like and reference a lot, there's like a boarding school that they send people to that is also like a brainwashing place. No spoilers. But uh which is called Harmony House. So the, I think the the connotation from Harmony House is like it's harmony in the sense that like everyone is brainwashed mm-hmm. into into concert, which doesn't mean got nothing to do with that. This record, it just is, it's a cool ambivalent word to me, even though it, it shouldn't really be. It just sound, and Harmony Avenue, it's like this it sounds cool. It's harmonies on the record. Yeah, no, probably I'm- someone who buys it will like live on a Harmony Avenue. I think there's one in like Ireland or something. That'll be fun for them. It's cool. It's good. I mean, the whole thing's great. I enjoy it. It's very eclectic. You oh, men- wrapping up, are we? You mentioned, uh, <laughs> does it sound like I'm wrapping up? Yeah. Well, why not? Do you want to just keep talking? I know you're lonely. Well, yeah, let's wrap up. Okay. See, I was trying to do that, and then you got all weird about it. No, I was just going to say, yeah, it's interesting that you keep invoking Abbey Road because uh, the eclecticism of it does sort of, now that you mention it, and maybe it's too heavy-handed, but I do think of the second side of Abbey Road. I thought of Sandinista a little bit by The Clash. I thought of different things. Just things that are really hard to categorize but are in a pop framework. I think that's what's going on with this record and maybe the aesthetic of Jade Jade Hairpins. Does that seem fair to you? Yeah. Good. I think that's yeah. what we're going for, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the, so the record's out on May 29th in the year 2020, if all goes well. It's out on Merge Records and uh, Arts and Crafts, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, probably. So people can go to mergerecords.com and then whatever the Arts and Crafts website is. Do you guys have a website or a, a, a social media presence for this band? We have an Instagram. We have Twitter. And we have a Facebook all jade and hairpins band, and and a band camp yeah okay okay so people should go get this record and check it out and uh before we go jonah i yeah. usually like to go out on a song is it possible mm. for you to select a song from the record that we can play for people now so they can get a sense of what we've been talking about is there what's the single right now by the way as we're speaking the single that's out right now is called Jay Terrapin. First song, uh, first song on the record, first song. right? Yeah. And then the next, the next single, which is due out in a couple weeks, is called "Don't Break My Devotion." And why don't we try that? Mike, are you okay with this as a as a song selection? Uh, "Don't Break My Devotion," or would you suggest something else? I'm okay with it. Okay, Jonah, do you want to say anything yeah. more about that song? 
Okay, bye. That's it. <laughs> you have nothing Enjoy. to say. You just made a bait a boat this, sound? This is this is uh this is a song. Uh this this the title of this song is something that my Italian grandmother used to say. And if she was really frustrated, she'd say, Don't don't break my devotion, which is like it's a polite way of saying don't stop breaking my balls. So this is about trying your patience, trying somebody's patience. <laughs> what the hell, really? That's a weird yeah. is that just a sorry to that, say that's how I came up with that's how I came up with the title and then I made the song about yeah, someone sort of like engaging with their own um frustration or uh inadequacy or something. Was English uh, your grandmother's first language? No, she didn't really speak English. Right. So that that almost so that, she said that in Italian. Oh, it's that's the the literal translation is "Don't break yeah, my no, devotion." No, non rompa la mia devozione, and it's like a religious thing, I think. Oh, uh, interesting. You know, like don't prevent me from being devoted to Christ, and I'm I'm not a religious person, but like, it's a way of saying like stop breaking my balls. That is like a you're, heavy. You're, like you're like you're driving me crazy. That know? is really, Mike. Doesn't that seem excessively heavy for a grandmother to say to someone? She's Southern Italian. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Just thought I'd put Mike on the spot there. <laughs> For a grandmother to say, like, Just, grandmothers can't experience frustration. When you explain when, when uh, you biblical sublime, when you explain the multi-layered <laughs> aspect to the expression, it sounds a little heavy. Don't break my devotion to Christ. Like that is that's a heavy thing to hear. As a ch- did you hear this as a child? Yeah, it was like a thing that they would yell at each other. Like Jonah, do you believe in God? No. Mike, do you? I'm not a, I mean, I don't have a grandmother to answer devotion for. Do you believe in grandmothers? <laughs> yeah, I had several. Okay. So, whoa. Okay. All right. Well, this is uh, <laughs> Don't Break My Devotion by Jade Harrapins from their uh, beautiful new album, Harmony <laughs> Avenue. Uh, Mike, Jonah, thank you for being back on the show and uh, for talking to me and best of luck with everything going forward. Thanks, Reese. Nice to talk to you. See you later.
Well, very special thanks to my uh, old friends Jonah and Mike of the band Jade Hairpins for being on on this, the 536th episode of Creative Control, which is part of the Entertainment One Podcast Network and is available on all podcast platforms and iOS, Android, YouTube, Spotify, Audioboom. It's it's on everything that I can think of, uh, really. So thanks. If you, if, you want, if you like this episode, I don't know how you're listening to it now, but uh, if it's not the thing you normally like listening to things on, uh, you can probably find it on, on one of those things. But having said that, if you can't find an episode of the show that you're looking for because you heard about it, and it's not on any of those things for some reason, or if you want to learn about me and sign up for my regularly scheduled newsletter, please visit my website, vishkana.com. And like Creative Control on Facebook or follow the show on Twitter at Vish Creative or follow me directly at Vish Kana. Also, please visit patreon.com slash creative control to make a flexible monthly donation to sustain the podcast. Lots of uh, new uh, patrons lately. Thank you so much for your contributions uh, to keeping uh, the show afloat and going strong. And again... There is now a $6 or more tier, which gets you exclusive audio content, uh, mostly from my personal audio archives of interviews I've done over the years that uh, didn't make it into the Creative Control stream for whatever reason, Like most likely because they were conducted well before I had the show, and I'm digging through my archives and playing things, or rather posting things for you. So again, if you, if you donate $6 or more, at patreon.com slash creative control more stuff so thanks for doing that also thanks to pizza trocadero the bookshelf planet bean coffee and granddad's donuts for their in-kind support for this show i hope all of those businesses are doing as well as they possibly can be uh during this pandemic i know they're not but uh doing great but i hope they can stick around and persevere thanks to my friend jim guthrie for lending me some music uh, for this show, and uh, if you want to support Jim and his endeavors, please visit jimguthrie.org. And that's all I have to say. Thanks so much for listening to this episode with Jade Hairpins. Uh, check out their new record, Harmony Avenue, when it comes out in May. I uh, hope you liked what you heard, the the songs that you that, that you heard on this show. And uh, yeah, otherwise, subscribe to this podcast. Tell your friends about it. Have a discussion. What else are you going to do right now? Please, thank you. I, that sounded bleak, but I no, I just mean, why not? Talk to me. Send me an email. Creativecontrol933 at gmail.com. Maybe we can have a conversation. All right, I'll talk to you later. Bye for now. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com work. 
Shopify.com slash work. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.